Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombre Sessions podcast. The podcast focusing on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Jose Omaña, sports writer for Sports Pulse, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tipo Latino. Mario, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, how has your week gone? Because I know somebody's had a hectic week. And also, did you know Coachella's still going on, by the way? <laughs> no, I did not know that Coachella was still going on. You know, this thing I thought started a week ago, but whatever. My week. Well, let's just get started. You know why we're here. You know why we're doing this. This may by accident be a one-topic podcast. We are going to try to get some spirit news in there. But you know what this is. You know what this is. You know what you're here for. Exactly. DC United, last week, or previously in the Battle of Perception podcast. Hernan Lozada and company uh, lost to Austin FC in a poor performance, particularly in the second half, down to 10 men due to a mental error of judgment by Ola Kamara. They played in the U.S. Open Cup against Flower City Union. In a rainy, wet, snowy Rochester, New York. Where D.C. United once again struggled to find the back of the net despite maintaining the majority of the possession, despite maintaining the majority of the shots. There were moments where Flower City Union could have scored. Nevertheless, three goals came late in the second half to lead United to a 3-0 victory over the third division side. It looked like, you know, maybe it would be the start of something new heading into the game against New England. We've come to find out that on Wednesday morning in a meeting with the front office, Hernan Lozada was let go after only six games into the MLS regular season. The club confirmed his removal Tuesday morning and that Chad Ashton would take over as the interim head coach. It is Ashton's second time leading United on an interim basis after taking over following the removal of Ben Olsen back in 2020. Um, This was the club's original statement. We'd like to thank Hernandez for his time at the club and the energy he brought, as well as the attack-minded front foot philosophy and style of play he instilled within our club. We wish him great success moving forward. Now, to watch the post, they tried to get Hernan to speak on the record, but he said he was still shocked about the, the situation. Julian Gressel, who was the first player to openly address Osada's removal, that was not a tweet. So, yes, before people jump on me, yes, Bill Hamid said best wishes. But Julian Gressel spoke on the Z Soccer podcast where the player, and giving some details. Here are the quick details. Players met with co-owner Jason Levian, GM Lucy Rushton, Dave Casper, who is the president of soccer operations, and members of the coaching staff before Wednesday's training to discuss the change. Osada was not at the facility on Wednesday, but he was then allowed to come Thursday to give his goodbyes to the team. And let's be honest, Hernan was riding a little bit of problems. United was on a four-game losing streak, but also had issues last season where they went from August third place in the Eastern Conference to October falling out of the playoff picture entirely and missing the playoffs to one point. Um, Julian Gressel said he was torn about what happened and then come to find out in an article on The Athletic, one of the reasons that Hernan may have been let go was his training 
Uh, the Athletic reported that Hernan Lozada would have trainings that would make you go to the edge. Julian Gressel also said it was to the point where he would challenge you to point to your last bit of energy, your last grasp, to the peak of prior to injury, which one could argue led to some injuries. It was difficult to maintain, Gressel said. It was not certainly, it was certainly not as if like last season or at the beginning of this year, guys wanted more freedom, a bit more to say in certain things. It was difficult at times to get it from him, aka Losada. I should note, Russell did thank Hernan and believes that he made him a better pro. Second to best career numbers for Russell under Hernan Losada. We've had time to digest this. And oh, yeah, we had supporters um, stage a silent protest during the, a very noticeable protest, in my opinion, uh, during the New England Revolution game on Saturday. Yes, there was a match, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All the chaos, yeah, there is a league game going on on Saturday. We'll get to that in a second, but the two supporter groups, Abanda, the Stricto, and District Ultras, did not bring out flags, did not bring out their banners, did not bring out their drums, did not bring out their usual fan equipment to the supporter stand, and it was very noticeable. There were some guys in the Barra Brava, and a couple guys are screaming Eagles trying to bring some chants in. Your usual newcomers to the stadium trying, but it was silent for 26 minutes till the first goal happened. We'll get to that in a second. I said a lot. Mario, what are your thoughts on everything that's transpired in the past five to six days since the Flower City Union game? So I, I I was thinking, man, it's going to be a mundane Wednesday morning. We're looking forward to the game against New England on Saturday. They had won the game. I get on Twitter and I see Paul Maurer's tweet that said, DC United has fired Hernan Lozada. My first reaction, pardon my French when I say this, what the fuck is going on? And then you just try to process everything that's going on and you're like, they won though. You mean to tell me this man got fired after hours be- hours after he had to be in the dreary rain in a place in upstate New York called Rochester, New York? Come on, man. But with everything that's transpired, A, you see, you kind of see both sides and it, with how the athletic details their article and, and everything that has, ele- and we're going to probably say some of these things are allegedly have got that were going on within the internally, especially the situation between Hernan Lozada and the front office. You, you kind of saw it coming. I think me and you had talked about it off the record plenty of times this week, that if you remember mo- a good chunk of his press conferences, he would call out the front office. You would call them out on, on, on things like lack of spending and saying that other teams like Atlanta – your LAFCs, your Torontos of the world, were out here spending money and we're not spending enough money. That I could see how that creates friction. You know, there is such things as talking trash to your bosses, but when you're doing it in a constant basis and in such a public matter like a press conference, yeah, I could see how that would get into some people's last nerve. However, it's just kind of interesting how it all played out because 
Yeah, you know, so in some instances, and I think some of the fan base had pointed it out when the first when the story first broke that they gave Ben Olsen time. There, there's a lot of differences between I get you know Ben Olsen may have had grievances with the front office as well, but you don't know that because he never really publicly put it out there. While as Hernan Losada, on the other hand, publicly put out his issues or his grievances that he had with the front office not spending money on getting players. And then also you kind of tie two and two together with some of the with his some of the issues with some of the players. And I believe it was in that athletic note that he would go two or three days without talking to certain players. Again, this was on the piece, so I'm kind of quoting it on there. So you don't really realize for anybody that's looking from the outside looking in, you don't realize how much tension is going on. We we as as the press, we kind of got an idea, but remember, he was coaching during COVID, so you don't really get the full the full blown like picture, and so it's kind of fascinating how this all played out. But yeah, some some of it had to have been the four game losing streak. And every with all that and whatever issues he had with the front office and some of his players, co- all coming to a head and just uh, leading to his dismissal. Yeah, I, 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 we've been talking about this all week. Everyone's been talking about this all week. I, I feel like the main things to add that has been discussed, but very futilely. Um, and it's not to disrespect anybody really it's more of like trying to connect the pieces um, and making sure everyone's well informed the key grievance that led to the dismissal well there was a combination of everything but the one that basically broke everything was the decision by Hernan Lozada theoretically looking to punish players that performed did not perform well against Austin and wanting to bring them to the trip. He started Edison Flores and Michael Estrada in a fucking open cup game. <laughs> and he wanted to bring Steve Birnbaum. Now, to Steve's defense, outside of what's been reported about the club had already agreed with Hernan. He has weak knees on, on turf, this, that, and the third. In the club's defense, I don't see the reason you need Steve Birnbaum anyway. <laughs> like, I just don't. Even if you're trying to send a message, like, it's just not it. Um, hey, but on the bright side from that, rock, from that Flower City Union game, we now got a brand new captain for Open Cup games. It's Tony Alfaro. <laughs> and, and from here on out, we're just dubbing him as Captain Freshness. Well, look, I, I can only say that, you know, Based on everything, one of the things that was reported, and Julian Gressel confirmed with the trainings, that was something that if you were at the first game of last season, you knew from the get. Um, because they didn't have a DJ. It was the last minute that they allowed people into the building because everything was changed on a Thursday. Gave DC United no time on Friday to go get and advertise you know, new sponsors and get, 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 you know, get all the sponsor stuff for the, 
for the uh, for fans that you see on half times now. So what did we see? We saw 15 minutes of pronounced workouts and trainings, and he constantly yelled. He constantly. There was one part where he ran alongside Andy Nahar, pace for pace, line line, bar for bar. Like one man was step by step next to Andy as Andy ran the sideline with the ball at training. It's just crazy. But that was the kind of guy Hernan was. He was always intense. And, and um, also to note, they never played that video again. Right. They never played that video. They never put it up on social. They never put it up on their YouTube page. Because the first thing that I told you, and I told everybody in the press box, I think no one left. I did not leave that press box without saying this. That was intense. I don't think we should have seen that. <laughs> if you're trying. But... Hernan was bringing something new. Hernan wanted to bring pressure um, to the situation, also, bring pressure. Also, we got we got to point out. Remember the first like open Zoom availability he had with all media members after his introductory press conference. He said, "We are not fit," and then Jimena Lugo from La Nueva asked Yamil Assad or. Something along the lines of like, your coach said you're not fit. Do you can you elaborate on that? Where you're not over, you're you're you and your teammates are overweight. Can you elaborate on that? Yamil, and to, for context, Yamil Assad was distracted watching a Champions League game while doing this. He had he really didn't want to be there. He was just like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. When she asked that question. He looked at the camera, and his demeanor changed completely. Yeah, and that's, you know, if the trainings were as rough, it kind of does explain, like, a lot of the fitness issues slash uh, soft tissue injuries that United accumulated, especially towards the latter half. And one thing that's been heavily reported and we have to say this, is the disagreement with Juan Pariola, who's no longer with the club. Um, it, we can't say for sure, but I can say because he said this during the press conference on the U.S. national team when I asked him, did you talk to Hernan about your trade request and in your future? He said, I spoke to the people close to me. You know, take that for what you will. Normally, if there's a trade request, you... Or you, you, you normally talk to everybody, including your head coach. And so I, um, this whole thing was just crazy bonkers. Um, I will say I do agree slightly in the fact that I did think Herodance should have been given a longer leash. However, I do see management side that, A, you can't bow-mouth your your bosses and not expect a punch back, whether that is them going back at you, them responding to criticism, this, that, and the third. That's number one. Number two, four game losing streak in any country. You're, you're, you're on borderline. Um, I was speaking to the other person. I said, if he loses one more league game, he may be out. Like, we were having this discussion the day before. It was ironic. And so I am of the camp that 
I'm not trying to say that he deserves to get fired. I'm not going to say that. But I do think I kind of agree with some parts of the fan base to say that Hernan's methods was a challenge from what we've had as quote unquote safe investment the past 10 years, relying so much on the draft, relying so much on the reentry draft and expansion drafts and, and trying to use every little mechanism. While that works to an extent, it also forbids ownership to spend. And we've read reports that United's bought new fitness gear to get their players in shape, heart monitors during the during preseason to get everybody in shape, a new way of eating to the point where the staff, the team staff, are have to participate during away games, things of that nature. That's been reported. We have not confirmed that, but those were some of the things that Hernan instilled, but he wasn't approachable. He wasn't able to change some of his methods. You work together in a group, you have to be able to work and gel with your group, regardless if you're the leader or if you're an underling. Everybody knows when you work in groups, at the end of the day, you all are working towards one mission. I feel like Hernan a lot of times was very uh, aggressive with his approach. His aggressive in his commentary towards the media about not just what we do. There were moments where he criticized what we do, criticized um, what for the front office is doing, criticized. Well, he criticized good. players during, during some of these. Right. Well, so, was, I just want to say, like, before you go ahead, I don't want to say, I get the fans' response. You do need somebody after 10 years to give you a different point of view. It's good to get that. But at the end of the day, you don't need somebody who is not willing to work in the group. Being not tyrannical in the sense, but looking to supersede everything and want to be the bare bones leader of everything. That's why you have a nutritionist. That's why you have a strength coach. That's why you have, uh, you know, different elements so you don't have to be the main focus. And I feel like Hernan tried to do too much and was too aggressive with it to the point where it turned players off. It clearly turned one player off in particular. And now a man that's going to possibly feature in the World Cup is not playing for DC United. Um, another an Argentine player, a great midfielder who was performing well under Hernan Losada's system, is not with the club anymore. And so you do have to ask questions when you see things like that about is his approach, approach a correct one? Is he not gaslighting his own situation with his own actions? So that's where I draw the line. It's how much of what you're doing is the reverse of what you say you're doing for the club culture? How much of what you're doing is considered more too aggressive or too much of a culture shock that you're not going to get the same response? Now, players like Julian Gressel did get responded. So we had a great year. But if you're getting players leaving you and you're getting reports in the media saying, we don't even want this guy training another team. 
that means you were and reportedly you don't even talk to coaches who suggest you should change your approach. Maybe it's you. So uh, I wish Renan all the best. I think he's a great coach, but I do think that's why you delegate things. You don't need to do everything because you could burn yourself out by doing all that. So I wish him all the best, but I do think I can't side with the the fence sentiment so much. Uh, we'll get to the Casper Allen stuff in a second, but yeah, I agree that it was a little too much of a hot shot firing, but if you feel that he's not corresponding to your club's needs, you got to let him go. Right, and I think one of the things that everything that's pretty much been said about the firing and everything that's been reported the day follow the days following it's his, his people skills weren't all the way there and, and what people tend to forget about sports is this is a people business you have to treat people with a certain level of respect and it's a lot of give and take and i, I think from what from everything that's been said it's been a lot of my way or the highway with Hernan Lasala to an extent and not listening to players or not listening to other coaches saying like, hey, maybe maybe you should tone it down a bit with the trainings or you should try this approach or be a lot more approachable. But he would he would be stubborn in his own ways. I think Hernan Lasala is a good coach. I think for what he did the last season was great, but there was a lot of burnout. And you noticed it towards the end with the amount of injuries that piled up to key players like Paul Ariola, who missed a certain amount of games during towards the end of the regular season or just him being burned out in general. And when you have a player like Paul Ariola, who was arguably your best player last season, wanting to leave a situation like the one that was in D like the one he had at DC United and go to a place like FC Dallas. And I've mentioned this before. I think I mentioned it more offline. One of the reasons why he ended up going to FC Dallas as the head coach at FC Dallas was Craig Berhalter's assistant on the national team. So that made his decision easier to go to FC Dallas. But when your best player is telling you, I discussed it with the people that I wanted to discuss it with and not discuss it with you. There's an underlying issue. And you may say Paul Ariola didn't really need to leave DC United because he was getting call-ups. Like, let's, let's be real here. He was getting call-ups playing here. And what people tend to forget is Paul Ariola has been one of the top guys for Greg Berhalter, who's constantly been called up during this cycle. But... If your if your quote unquote best player is not happy with the situation and he is running the risk of getting an injury that could possibly leave him out of a World Cup because of your training style, then may, maybe there there has to be one of those issues where you gotta ask yourself, maybe I do maybe I do things different. And so I think there's not a lot of there wasn't a lot of um still awareness in, in, in this in this case with Hernan Lasada when it came to that, and also not asking pe the people around you or asking for a certain like certain kinds of advice or 
am I doing correctly and what can I change up or just not talking in general kind of not just accepting feedback like he was terrible at accepting feedback right and when you don't accept feedback thank you by the way when you don't accept feedback it kind of becomes an issue and people are gonna be turned off again I mentioned it at the start of this sports in general is a people business so you got to at least communicate with those around you and accept criticisms and give some feedback of your own. It's a lot of give and take. And so it, 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 is, a, it is a weird situation. Maybe the fireman was a little bit rushed, but, uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's something that may, it may have been a situation that was completely completely out of control that the front office decide to come to this final decision not saying that that's a detriment to him as a coach he's a pretty good head coach and i believe he will get another job maybe maybe in mls maybe in europe or maybe in argentina but i think you'll see a lot plenty more of Hernando sala for years to come and i also wish him the best in it and whatever whatever holds for him in the near in the near future i mean he is he comes from that bielsa tree which more and more is starting to get criticized or axed or not you know people are starting to see that tree as or that learning group as you say all this stuff the teams look good but we need wins like at the end of the day this needs to be this is a business, you know, to make the business continue going and have people flowing into the building, you need to win. And again, yeah, that's they, always been an issue with the with the Bielsa style of, uh, of coaching. Yes, it is, it is high press. It is high octane and it's entertaining, but only works for a season. Hell, Bielsa just recently got fired from Leeds. So... It only works to an extent, but if you keep doing the same things, people are going to figure it out eventually. And that that's always been a flaw with the Bielsa style of management is they'll figure it out. And once other teams start figuring out, it kind of fizzles. Right. And what it becomes an issue for everybody. So I'm just looking back right now. DC lost, so lost four of the last seven and got a draw. So that's five games – you should have picked up some points. You only picked up one point in five out of your last seven matches. Like, and then the two, the other two games, obviously you won. But when you look at that glaring statistic, it's jarring because it's like, and then you enter this season, you don't look good the first two games you win, and then. You know, yes, you can say, oh, the the mistake of getting a red card because you take off your shirt and then you do a silly foul. But that was the best 45 minutes the club had played all season. So I can't, you can't sit here either and be like, he's not blameless in it either. You also can't say the players aren't blameless in it either. Um, and then the front office isn't blameless in it either. You know, number one. Edison Flores as a DP is reaching the standards that we used to make fun of uh, Marcelo Gallardo, which, by the way, when he played, he looked good. It's just that he was always injured, 
But we're getting he's into those territories. He's about to reach Nielsen levels of bad DP. And you yeah, don't want to reach those levels. He's not performed well. He's still in, in he's played his whole his own position um the the majority of this year. He didn't even look um, great in an open cup game. It's a US Open Cup game and you did not look that great as well throughout that. So right. if anything it? not to cut you off but if anything the one spot we said on this podcast that we were all worried about because of Hernandez Hate offense scheme was the center backs. It only took one move, bringing Brendan Hines Ike, and the defense was fine. You know, and and then we saw a glorious renaissance from Andy Nahar. And so he the midfield was somewhat fine. Julian Grasso was doing better. The center back, the center midfield partnership, we we're hoping to solidify that more this year, but it was okay last year. It was the offense was the biggest issue. And when you tell me that as a Flores is in the, the, the you know, the, the supposed to be like the air parent for Pariola or play, play kind of that speedy winger style that you see a lot in club level. And yet he hasn't done that. It, it's like, how can you not look at that and say that's a failure? That Hernan Lozada could not figure that out. Um, to make that a better situation. I just, you know, overall, I, I, I don't blame the club for firing. At the same time, it still was trigger happy because now you have situations where the supporters are upset. They are now conflating this as a, another sign that the club isn't going to spend anymore. They complaints about the roof again, not being able to have that close. And it, it's a lot. There, there's complaints about not winning a trophy, and hashtag Casper out was kind of trending on DC United Twitter, kind, kind of the the majority of the week. And, and what didn't help, uh, and if you didn't see this on social media, Lucy Rushton and Dave Casper put out a letter to fans, and La Banda del Distrito came out with their own, with their own letter, stating out their grievances. With with the uh, with the front office after the firing of Hernan Lozada, and which kind of led to the silent protest, which I believe was started by the district ultras and La Banda del Distrito, both coming in as one. They were like to protest the firing of Hernan Lozada. They didn't bring any banners into the into the stadium. They didn't bring drums. So if you notice throughout the broadcast Saturday, uh, throughout the broadcast of the New England Revolution game, wondering where the drums and everything else went, that that's kind of, that's kind of what happened. They didn't. They were in certain areas of the stadium spread around, spread out, but they didn't bring any of the drums or any of, of the flags or any of the banners in between. Because they were mad about this whole situation, and it also brought out some grievances of we've been in this team has been in a mediocre state for a for a long time. So there's a lot of grievances there that the uh, that the supporter groups were airing out with the front office, and it, and it having the, the firing of Losala come just mere hours after playing an open cup game 
kind of brought everything kind of brought everything out of like the frustration and everything that's good and the frustration in fans yeah and it, like you said it bled over to the game which i guess we could kind of talk about finally 30 minutes in this podcast um um, and this is why I felt that they kind of they shouldn't have fired Hernan. They got him his weapon was finally be able to be used, and that was Taxi Fontes, who scored two goals and uh, added an assist well in the first half to spark yeah, United <laughs> to spark United's three two victory over New England. Um it was a good performance by the United's DP had a cross that, you know, came from Julian Gressel originally that then Fountas then put it in to Michael Estrada to get the, get, get the second goal of the game. Um, Fountas scored his first goal in 26 and then right before halftime, he scored the third. Um, it was a good performance overall. Um, Chad Ashton, he did kind of keep that offensive press. In the second half, though, you could kind of see it linger down a little bit. He kind of explained the reasoning for that was to they were getting beat on one wing in particular, so it was good to revert back to like a back four just to make sure they don't get killed by Adam Busa or somebody. Um, and that decision kind of was – put a lot of people on their toes, a lot of fans of getting nervous, feeling that there was like the return of Benny Ball, but it was less of Benny Ball and more of a tactical decision to put it back for, keep the press, but knowing when to counter, they they eventually held on. And I think, you know, the fan stuff I think is repairable. I People say it's, it's, it's weird in and out, but I believe that the fan stuff is repairable where I do think there's some concern for United is, okay, Chaz the interim possibly for the whole season. What's plan B? Who, who is your new head coach? Who is it going to be? Are you going to wait till after the World Cup to hire this person? Are you going to hire them now? Like, that's my concern going forward is what's DC United set up? What are their timelines say to um, adding the new head coach? How much should be spent for a new head coach? So that's what I noticed. Again, I felt that United played well. Their press played well. They didn't abandon everything until they needed to just have some cover for the back line. As New England advanced, it took more positions. That was something that lacked in the Austin game, to be honest with you. What was covered for the back line. Um, I think one thing we got to keep an eye on would be Nigel Roberta. He came in the second half, then got injured, brought in Tony Alfaro. That kind of solidified the back line a little more. And there was a little nervy moment when New England got one back through Adam Buxa off of Car- Carlos Hill free kick. He also nearly killed Brandon Hines Ike by shoving him to oblivion in that chaotic scene. Whereas John Kempen was also down. Uh, I think DC United played extremely well. 
Taxi was, well, man, he was amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. He, he was amazing. Uh, that was great to see. So, something also people forget that Edison Flores was starting this game as he started <laughs> against Flyer <laughs> City Union. And I completely forgot at some points that he was on the field. But again, we already aired out our Edison Flores grievances. I, I think ta- Taxi played extremely well. The link-up play was there. They kind of talked about it a little. They alluded to it a little bit in the uh, in, in the postgame. I think it was either Gressel or Chad talked about that the chemistry between Julian and and Taxi was there because they've been communicating with each other as, as soon as they, they found out Taxi was coming to D.C. They're keeping in communication, uh, mostly speaking German. And so I, I think his, his connect play with Julian Gressel helped throughout the game. It, it, it surely showed because all three of them were uh, – they're both involved in all three goals. And – all I gotta say is this is a pretty impressive debut for for tat for taxi as a starter. So I think you keep up more of the, these performances going forward. So there's something to look forward to offensively. As the head coaching situation goes, yeah, they never really laid those plans out. Personally, if you're gonna spend money, uh bring Jose Mourinho into the fold? Question mark. For what? <laughs> For what? This team's a pressing team. We just, just no. Let's not even go there. Uh, yeah, I I thought United played well. They did an excellent job of neutralizing New England's attack. And yeah, I think heading into their next game, they're gonna have to continue with that. I, I, it is gonna be an issue with Bill Hamid out for a possible six weeks. Uh, Andy Nahar out for four to six with uh, unrelated injuries that obviously didn't happen during the game and more than likely happened after the Austin game. Uh, you could kind of see Bill Hamid favoring something like really early on and Kempen started warming up around the t- five, fifth or ninth minute around there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I hope... I hope this is the catalyst of something new, and I hope and I wish Chad Ashton all the best. To me, he's a United lifer. Um, been with the club since 2007. Almost left after not getting the job when they gave it to Ben Olsen, and Ben convinced him to stay. Otherwise, um, and we kind of need a. I kind of wish fans understood that Chad is a is a United lifer. Um, he addressed the fan situation a little bit, saying, you know, all I can do is get wins. And so he understood why the fans were upset. And from here, I, I just think United needs to play with the same kind of urgency early, but make the critical subs when necessary. If it's time to make a defense sub, do it. Is it time to take out a midfielder to add a defender? Do it. Is it time to take out a midfielder to add an attacker? Do it. Do what you think is best, but communicate. Figure it out. And and don't just leave it out there for some randomness. Like get the job done. And 
And I felt that her dad just never understood that. When is the best time to make these substitutions before I lose the game with what I have? Her dad wanted to play his system, his style, every day, 24-7, lack of adjustment. And that just can't happen in today's football where you have five substitutions. You have to be ready for anything. You have to have a plan B, a plan C, and a plan whatever going forward. And so that's what I think United needs to pay attention to. Right. I think also one of the things that people also forget in this mess, uh, Nicolas Fruto stayed on as the assistant head coach, and they also promoted Frederick Briot to assistant this week. So it, it's it's going to be an adjustment period. I think Chad Ashton can get, it, can get it done for most of the year. I mean, he nearly got the team in the playoffs in 2020. And he had a lot less time to work with because they fired Ben Olsen towards the end of the season in 2020. So he's got a lot more time to work. And it, it, it's to, it, we, we shall see how, how this goes moving forward. They play Columbus in Columbus next week. So it, it would be interesting to see how, how he implements the style. But I think they're not totally going away from Lasada ball. But I think just making the necessary adjustments, that's something that Hernan didn't do in the latter part of, of, uh, of, of his stint as head coach here should, should be something that, that, uh, that DC United would ha- have to do moving forward with the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think we're both agreeing it's not like adjustment in terms of like you know, adding a new player randomly mid-season or whatever. It's more along the lines of United now has the chance to keep what they have, go to the playoffs with a team that, mind you, the club thought last season they had a playoff team. That, That I'll give fans that you can't say it's a playoff team and take forever to bring in the DP when you sold your two of your five best players last season. Um, I mean, right before the start of the season. So we should all keep an eye on it. Uh, it's a lot of talking we've done about this topic. I feel like uh, the last thing we can really say is, uh, we said it earlier, we wish Hernan Lozada all the best. I mean, I do think fans should give Chad Ashton the, the best and wish him the best of luck. Is you know, United have very few coaches. Uh, Hernan beat Cardinalfo, so as long as he lasts longer to Cardinalfo, you're a good, you're you were in good hands for at least one season. So he at least beat Cardinalfo. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and nothing is worse than Cardinalfo as a head coach. <laughs> but in any event, um, we'll do a quick spirit minute because we've gone a little long while with this topic. Uh, the Washington Spirit uh, earning T2 draw on Saturday on a nationally televised match of this uh, Challenge Cup. It's their last group stage match. Spirit ended with 10 points. They are now awaiting the results um, of a game in the West. The, the two top teams of each group plus the two best third place, uh, second place teams will go on to advance. Spirit need a result. We will we won't say much about that, but in terms of this game itself, for the Spirit, 
concerns on the injuries. Uh, Kelly O'Hara had to come out early. The team was already missing a couple of people due to COVID and, and other injuries. But it was actually had to, at the end of the day, continues to show why she's getting call-ups and why she's getting looks, being very good on the turnover. Another defender who cannot play from the back. Mistake with the goalkeeper. Miscommunication, as expected, with these kind of playing in the back systems. And then she took advantage of that. And then a PK, a definite PK, uh, to tie the game at two apiece. So um, any words from you, Mario? I, we can't really say much unless I, uh, we'll talk more about did they make it into the Challenge Cup semis or not uh, next week. But any anything you want to mention from today's match, I mean, Saturday's match? Nope. Uh, all I got to say is best uh, best of luck to Angel City FC tonight. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, I will say, well, I will add um, post game. I think this is a fun way to end the show. I think uh, just makes sense. Um, the spirit had mentioned. Well, Aubrey Kingsbury had mentioned that they were heading to cookout, uh, fast food establishment down in North Carolina, and. And she had worked together with a staff member uh, to get orders for the team before they head back into D.C. And, of course, um, said co-worker did not think the spreadsheet would be released, quote, five retweets, and else release the, <laughs> the orders. Lord and behold, in like four minutes, she had 20 of them. So here are your orders of milkshakes that everybody got. The goalkeeping union stuck with the peanut butter fudge Oreos. A lot of defenders had the either the double Oreo or the Reese's Cup. We did have uh, Bailey get chocolate cherry. But it was, this was the Oreo show. Everybody and their mama got Oreos. Or, as Emily Sonic got, double Oreo. <laughs> hey, man, I, as someone that loves cookies and cream, the cookies and cream milkshake from, uh, from Chick-fil-A, I agree. Oreos on milkshakes, mwah, delicious. I just like more of this in my soccer. I understand that Hernan Lozada would hate this and... Oh, or no, the throwing a fit right now. They released this spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? They're like, no mate? No, 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 no protein? <laughs> How dare you guys get milkshakes? This is what I love. Like, they are the champions, and they can eat whatever they want because they are that good. So I hope they their opening game of the season – is this upcoming um, this upcoming Sunday at Audi Field at five o'clock? It will be broadcast on uh, the Paramount Plus app, but tickets are apparently still on sale. There's still some ten dollar tickets. I'm not here to advertise. I'm just letting you know if you want to see the season opener where 
We may see some rings be given out, maybe a banner as small as the New York City FC banner. No, it'd probably be bigger than the New York City FC banner, to be honest with you. No, but we may see a banner. <laughs> we may see some, some fun, but it's DC Night versus OL Rain on Sunday. Washington Spirit versus OL Rain. The Washington Spirit versus OL Rain this Sunday. At Audi Field, you can get your tickets today. That's enough for us here at the Bad Hombres FC podcast. I'm kind of tired. And I have to edit this thing. So before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can learn more about you. All right. If you want to see what I'm working on or you just want to see me judge uh, uh, fashion from Coachella, which I'm no good at, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. Oh, you want to know what's going on in the world or in the DMV? You can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter, too, at El Tiempo Latino. You can go to their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to put money in my pocket so I can continue buying Chick-fil-A cookies and cream milkshakes, you can get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino at your local newsstand or your metro station today. Sure. Let's go with that. But uh, in any event, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Special shout out as always to Ken McLeod for the intro music. Remember, rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.